G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Good morning. It's wonderful to have you with us this week. And it's a very special day today being National Christian Heritage Sunday. And why is it so? Well, today is the day, or at least it's commemorative of the day, that the gospel was first preached on, preached on Australian soil, the first Sunday in February. And a man who I'm sure knows all about it can probably tell us the date, the time that it happened, uh, what was happening, the birds that were there, and all of the details. <laughs> Dr. Graham McLennan, how are you? Good morning, Phil. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you a part of uh, uh, Sunday morning together this week. Yeah. Now, this is something you're pretty passionate about, Graham. Australia's Christian heritage, and of mm, course, it all mm. started with uh, Reverend Richard Johnson, who mm. preached a sermon, the very first declaration uh, of the Word of God on Australian soil on that first Sunday in February. Do you know what actual date that was? Back that in the was day? the third of February. Third of February. 17, oh, yes, pretty close. We're pretty close. Seventeen eighty-eight. Okay. The third of February. Yeah. And you know what well, set the scene for us here, or at least little bit of theatre of the mind, perhaps. Take us back to what it would have been there, because I imagine here's a, a ragtag bunch of, uh, of not only the convicts, but also those who had charge over this new colony that was about to start. It would have been very daunting, I would have thought, getting used to this new uh, environment, and probably was pretty jolly hot. It, yes, it was, but um, and the only record we have, the, the best record we have is of um, Watkins Tench's book, and I could tell you some of the uh, material out of that, uh, unless you want me to do it um, impromptu uh, style, but uh, it certainly, uh, they were in Botany Bay, uh, and they came around... Um, and m- most of them had landed um, just the, the day after the 26th, on the 27th of January. But uh, Philip um, came earlier and he had his, uh, uh, he was given instructions on the Christian environment that should take place. But it was near Circular Koi, Koi, that took place. And um, But there's not many other than what contentious report in it that which i could read but um it it was um well i will read it um it was an, a, a time that um we uh celebrated the first um episode of of what contentious uh report in and and every 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 uh, year now but um the i'm just Finding the action, which was it was held on a grassy hill under a tree, the first service conducted by the chaplain on Australian soil, and uh, an impressive occasion. And it's often been described uh, as a careful preparations were made, the convicts being ordered to appear as clean as circumstances will admit, and no man to be absent on any account whatsoever. The guard was to be changed earlier than usual, so as to give those who had been relieved the time to cleanse themselves. Uh, be, before church, and the church drum was to beat at ten o'clock. 
So they started off at 10. This service took place on 3rd of February 1788, as we know, and all the women had come uh, 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 into the colony at Sydney Cove by then, and uh, everybody had it, um, exited those uh, boats that had been in the anchored uh, out uh, um, in the cove. The fleet had been in Sydney Cove the previous Sunday, the 27th of January, but no service was held until some semblance of order had been created on shore. Johnson would no longer, no doubt, have been impressed by the special nature of this occasion and would have chosen his text and prepared his sermon with some care. The content of the sermon, which we all should know, was Psalm 116, verse 12. So uh, that was uh, very attentive. They said that the... Uh, uh, the verse is set in context which was particularly appropriate for the occasion as it reflects the experience of someone who had on, undergone severe and repeated sufferings but had survived to give thanks to God for his safe deliverance. And Johnson would very likely have drawn his congregation's attention to the way which they were very atten attentive. So that's basically the scene at, at Circular Quay on the 3rd of February 1788. Mm. What do we know about Richard Johnson? Can you paint a bit of a picture, Graham? Well, he... he um, there's a lot of material up on the National Christian Heritage Sunday um, website, nchs.net.au, but I'll just read you something that sort of uh, sums up his first year or so here um, in, in Australia. Australia's first pro uh, minister, Reverend Richard Johnson, arrived with the first fleet on the 20th of January. Then on the 3rd of February, uh, he held the first Christian service on Australian soil. As Australia's first chaplain, he spent 12 years in Australia from 1788 to 1800 with several roles as military and prison chaplain, parish priest and as a missionary to the indigenous community. William Wilberforce and John Newton, the former slave trader of Amazing Grace fame, were the chief sponsors of the Botany Bay chaplaincy. Newton became Johnson's important mentor, confidant and advisor, calling him the first apostle to the South Seas. Hmm. So that's, and, and they were thinking of the whole South Seas area, that this is an opportunity for the uh, opening of the gospel, and certainly in South Australia uh, and other places where these things are commemorated. Uh, it was a Christian colony, South Australia, and... Uh, they did say that um, the uh, and in the uh, House of Commons in 1827 they said that uh, we uh, it was Robert Torrance said that uh, we are hopefully the uh, instrument in bringing Christian civilization to the South Seas, but uh, as Australia's first uh, so Wilberforce and John Newton the slave traders uh, came and. Uh, with Newton and friends such as he, he founded the Eclectic Society, seeing Johnson as the means of seeing the gospel to the other side of the globe. So it was William Wilberforce in 1786 who suggested that the then Prime Minister William Pitt to have a chaplain. And so uh, that explains his arrival with the support of people be, uh, with the Eclectic Society and so on. And it's, it's interesting too, you know, those are big names that we would, uh, most, most Christians would know. Mm. William Wilberforce, of course, was a was the driving force for the abolition of slavery yeah, uh, word. In, in England. Uh, and then, of course, John Newton, who was the man who wrote that wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace. Yes. And William yes. Pitt, the Prime Minister at the time, those three guys actually met together, as I understand it, in William Pitt's mm. house uh, mm. to discuss this whole thing of sending a, a chaplain to look after this, mm. uh, this group of people and, mm. and in the establishment of Australia. So... These are pretty significant uh, connections uh, that are there with people mm. that are very well known and, and I suppose loved uh, you know, in Christian history 
have had yeah. a speaking part into the the establishment of our own nation. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, it is. And the the founders um, of uh, of our nation have been mainly Christians, and and certainly in the Southland of the Holy Spirit, which is a book that I've published. Uh, some time ago, uh, we talk about a lot of the explorers like Charles Sturt and Eyre and others, and uh, certainly there's been governors like John Hunter and Lachlan Macquarie, and uh, and who really were uh, uh, Brisbane too, who were uh, really um, devout Christians and explorers and so on. So uh, Sturt and uh, even coming here and the whole attitude of people coming here uh, and going and exploring. Even Columbus said he didn't depend on the scriptures, but what was in Isaiah, that they should proclaim the, pro- proclaim the Gospels. And he thought he was going to the Indies, but ended up in the West Indies, mm. which is... Uh, kind of got a bit lost. You know, and, 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 and founded South America. And then, then we had Magellan going over and then the Kiros, and all these people were Christians. And then uh, it was interesting because even Torres, who, you know, Torres Strait Islanders, even there that the London Missionary Society came in July the 1st, uh, 1871 and uh, proclaimed the gospel there and uh, and it's, it changed society, the society there because they were killing each other mm. and uh, so it's been interesting I think the whole development of, of the history and the flow of history to Australia and beyond we hope. And we live in that legacy uh, today and uh, one of the things that we can do in that legacy is that we have great freedoms in this country uh, to, to express uh, ourselves, to, to yeah. express our faith. And one of the yeah. great ways that we do that, of course, is through communion, which you get to lead us in very shortly, Graham. So yeah. how can we best prepare our hearts toward communion today? I think that we can really prepare our hearts by humbling ourselves and repenting before him. Um, in the scriptures, it says that he disarmed the principalities and powers. He disarmed them. And uh, we should know that we are in victory uh, over the satanic powers. And I think that we feel uh, particularly strongly at this time of the year as we remember Australia Day and uh, National Christian Heritage Sunday that uh, we, we should be thankful. Like uh, the United, in the United States, they have a National Day of Thanksgiving, and uh, certainly we do here. And we also have a National Day of Prayer too. So, Father, we do thank you f- for what you're doing in our nation. We thank you for the things that you created for us and for the freedoms you've given us. And so we should have a really open heart and a repentant heart uh, towards uh, what we know as in the upper room. Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. When training as an officer, uh, when I was called up for the Vietnam War, uh, we uh, learnt some principles of warfare and the acronym was Smazewska. And the last two being K for know your enemy, which I think we really do know the uh, what our enemy is up to, the, uh, the 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 our enemy, the devil, of course, and his angels, and the A for aerial superiority, which in spiritual terms to me meant a prayer covering, covering over our lives and giving a hedge of protection from the enemy. And I mentioned Colossians two, because it it really does sum up, I think, what happened on the cross. And it, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. So he triumphed over all those things of the enemy. And I think uh, there are other scriptures that talk about Satan's downfall, such as binding the satanic strongholds and Jesus saying, I saw Satan fall and give, given us authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. And that's stated in Luke chapter 10. 
And whilst I was on a trip to the United Kingdom in the year 2000 for a conference we were involved in by a group called the International Leaders for Discipleship, uh, we went um, there and uh, it was a century, they believe, that uh, uh, the emphasis, I think, had been the 1900s on evangelism, but they thought there should be more this century on discipleship. And uh, after this, we continued to go on to Israel to join the Australian Prayer Network for a trip visiting Israel and Turkey with Anzac Cove and the Seven Churches of Revelation. We are strongly identified with the Church of Laodicea, would you believe, as uh, as an Australian th- thing, I think, that we're very uh, lukewarm and uh, need to repent and, ch- and a challenge to be overcome. So we, I think the f- emphasis on us should be to repent. And whilst in Jerusalem, we visited the upper room, standing at the very place claimed to be where Jesus held the Last Supper. So as we take communion this morning, let us come before God where we are and eat the bread as a reminder that Jesus is the bread of life, giving his body to save us from our fallen nature and repent before him. Let us each by the living, be living sacrifices spoken of in Romans chapter 3, verse 1, fully consecrated to him. So then let us eat. And as we drink from the cup, we are reminded of the new covenant, Jesus shedding his blood and rising from the dead, which has given us liberty and freedom, even conquering our fears of death. So let us drink in remembrance of what he has done. So Father, we just thank you that you died for us on the cross. You gave us liberty and freedom because you have taken us to yourself and thank you lord for jesus your son for giving him as we should give ourselves as a living sacrifice to the world and lord we pray that that'll be uh, within each of us as we share this communion today and we just thank you lord jesus that all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to you and all the families of the nations will bow down before you for dominion belongs to you and you rule over the nations Sunday Morning Together, across Australia, on Vision Christian Radio. Well, we're about to find out a little bit about our uh, guest and co-host today, Dr. Graham McLennan. Uh, He is at his place in Orange, New South Wales. Uh, I'm here in the studio, Uh, and you're at your place. So we're all in this together today. I hope you can stay out here for a a bit of uh, storytelling, and we find out a bit about this man who is Graham McLennan. I know he's had his finger in lots of pies over the years. Uh, so let's go back to the beginning, Graham. Where did it all start for you? Where were you born? Well, well, I was born in Dubbo on the 16th of July, 1945. Mm-hmm. My parents' uh, dad was a farmer and uh, it was the end of the Second World War and uh, he had to look after all the far- farms uh, that our relatives had uh, as many of them went off to the war and even as far as down as tomorrow with the harvesting and so on. So Dad was occupied and and, uh, and had obviously married and Dad had gone and Mum through... They were born during the First World War, had, went through as teenagers of the Depression and then they had the Second World War as young adults and were, yeah. had got married and it's very sad. But his four brothers, one was in the Army, uh, he was a bomb disposal expert and became an alcoholic and but a head of the of an agricultural company. But um, there was a fellow who was um, in the Light Horse, which was disbanded in 1942. He was a he was an interesting guy and um, shared tents with I think 
there was Chips Rafferty and um, yeah, wow. Errol Flynn and these types of guys doing filming of uh, horse movies, including one by the guy that led the Bathsheba battle. Um, and he, uh, he was telling me it was actually done on the Cronulla Sandhills. But, and so there's Douglas also who was stationed at Tamora and taught Blake's had a fly plane. So, uh, and also Angus, who was the eldest of the family and who carried on the farm but later on but um so i was born on the day the atomic uh, uh atomic bomb exploded i think it was in utah huh. and so I, I i came into the world with a big bang the biggest <laughs> uh, atomic uh, explosion ever occurred by man so and then of course nagasaki and uh, hiroshima came by but anyway so that's where i was i was born in dubbo Bred there, and uh, I could go through a whole ancestry thing of who my family were, and so on, and dated dated back to six thousand years or so. Wow! Actually. Wow! So yeah, it's uh, interesting times uh, back then. You know, you just talk about going, th- you know, being your parents being born in the First World War, going through the Great Depression, then through the Second World War, all the stresses and strains that came with yeah, that. Yeah, and you were yeah. born really. So in 1945, you were born in a time when, in your teenage years, was actually a time of of increasing prosperity, this uh, post, post-war post period uh, mm. where there was a lot of change going on. What do you remember of those days, those, those early days, and what was life like for you? So did you continue to grow up around Dubbo and that, that region? What, what do you yeah, remember? Well, well, I grew up near Balladoran, Yamundri. There's the Aboriginal mission there, actually, that influences a lot, uh, as well as I went to school at the Yamundri Public School. But certainly, uh, it was a very simple life. We went to school in bare feet. We uh, didn't worry about uh, cattle, uh, you know, all these types of burrs. They, they were nothing to us because the... The soles of your feet we would have been pretty pretty tough, I'd imagine. Yeah, 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 it was. So, uh, yeah, so we got a lot of memories. And I used to take mum out there, actually, when she had dementia because she could learn, uh, remember about all the farm uh, experiences she had mm. on her farm and then uh, on her sister's farm with married there they had 6,000 acres we had 3,000 acres with 30 300 um, 3,000 acres with 300 acres of water it's called Old Harbour Lagoon and had stacks of snakes uh, dad killed 27 snakes in one day wow uh, outside <laughs> our house yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and I can tell you what's you were you born into a, a, a Christian home no 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 but we, that's why I mentioned the Balladoran mission because they influence us and I, when I, I remember when I was a teenager and being on the, uh, uh, you know, in the shearing shed on the board with uh, the shearers, and and they were mainly Aboriginal guys, uh, and one was Ralph Naden actually, uh, but certainly they said grace. Uh, our family and things like that simply because that was the thing to do and dad when he was an MC of a lot of balls and public occasions and dinners he used to say grace so what was your christian journey you, you mentioned about the balladoran mission yeah what was yeah. the connection there well it's just that the influence affected our family i think and otherwise they wouldn't have had much uh, christian influence at all there was a sunday school that operated for a short time uh, out of Gilgandra at Yamundjeri and uh, I didn't particularly like it and my mum didn't force me to go although she encouraged me and I just didn't think much of it much but uh, I, I, I went away to boarding school on a scholarship mum and dad had come out of the war and there was some prosperity there was some money that dad had as a share farmer uh, and during the 50s the um, Korean War uh, probably got, met 
the, the wool prices went up to quite extravagant prices and so they were, there was a, a quite a uh, mm. optimistic time there but uh, I went away to Hurlston Agriculture on this high school on this scholarship and um, it was a good time there and uh, had a lot of friends and I could talk for ages about some of the things we used to get up to but uh, uh, I, I remember going to the combined high school swimming camp uh, swimming championships because I was a good swimmer. I was the captain of the uh, uh, water polo team, the first grade water polo team, and the uh, centre forward, and which meant that I was the fastest swimmer in the school, really. But um, Brian Booth took me over to to the championship swimming, and uh, he was a nice but black, and he captained Australia in cricket as well as representing Australia mm. in um, yeah. Many would know his Olympics. name. Yeah, yeah, Brian Booth. So he replaced Bob Simpson a few times, uh, particularly when he, uh, for some reasons or other. And, uh, but he had an influence on me, uh, and I tried to interview him myself just some time ago. But he just it was di- he died last year. Uh, and and there are extraordinary things that happened at school. Uh, they were ministers used to come in, but I wasn't that interested. Some of my friends would pray by the bed. Uh, and others just sort of were nonchalant about the faith. But when I went to university, I, um, I was becoming really hollow, you know, and, and I, I, from an all-boys boarding school and a boys' background on a farm and ploughing for thousands of acres and shearing and doing all those sort of things and uh, seeing people die and coming off horses and what have you and driving tractors right around the, the countryside. But anyway, the, we, we, we really had a... Um, a, a nice time at university and having a lot of fun and but life was becoming hollow for me and the, the guy failed third year dentistry and uh, I thought this guy's got something and he gave me two books one by by searching by Isabel Kuhn and and then that taught me a lot and then I, I gave my heart to Jesus at a WEC conference uh, 48 Woodside Avenue it okay. was in Strathfield so a, and, a uh, WEC conference many yeah, might not well, know what that yeah, Worldwide Evangelization Crusade, and it was founded by a cricketer, a cricketer called C.T. Studd, and he's on the uh, Ashes Urn with yes. his brother. Yes, And they were famous people because they lo- uh, left a lot of wealth and fame to go to China and other places. And C.T. Studd himself went there, but also to South Africa, to Africa. And, and, and uh, Romans 12.1 talks about being a living sacrifice. And I think we lack that consecration. And I certainly think that we need to uh, wake out of our slumber yeah. as Australians. And I'll talk about that uh, shortly in, the, in our well, five-minute well, journey. Take, take, take us back to that day, though, so you can remember the address and where it was. Yeah. Do, you remember yeah. the, do you remember the date? No, I don't. But I, I remember being introduced to my wife uh, there, Pam, by a fellow who said, Oh, I was at St Andrews College after being in a little place called Helston House in Newtown where they looked after poverty-stricken people. But once they knew my family that I was going to graduate in dentistry, the family got behind me a lot more. And I had a Commonwealth scholarship uh, as well. So I went to St Andrews College and she, Pam, this lady, young lady, was next door as a nurse at the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital. So we kept in touch and we went around evangelising mm. uh, Newtown for the Anglican Church and Stephen's in, in uh, Newtown and that's how we got to know each other, evangelising <laughs> so, okay, uh, Newtown. So this, this sounds like a real gear shift to me because uh, you, know, you said you, re- you didn't have any Christian background, weren't really interested. Uh, yeah. you, you got to this realisation that my life is feeling hollow. You found yourself at 
a rally of some sort, I'm presuming, made a decision for Jesus, and now you're evangelizing. So what actually happened in that process for you? Do you, do you remember? Was there a, a call to come forward? Uh, was there something particular yeah. said or preached? Yeah, yeah. it was the book particularly, and, and the influence of Ewan Brown, who's the guy that became a missionary after he graduated in dentistry, who led me to the Lord through the WIC. And so I did go forward there. Um, but that was really the culmination of a process that had been going on yeah, in Yeah, a process life, that it? began... I saw, uh, and I turned 21, and uh, I, I thought, well, I'm an adult now. I mean, people do this when they're 18, but, and I thought, well, what's my purpose in life? And when I was back in, in, uh, on the farm, I used to read books. They had a reasonable library, and they had the books like Kaku and Green, which were about the Second World War, and these be- people were sacrificing their lives for Australia. Mm. And I certainly thought, well, uh, these guys had purpose in life, and they lost their lives. And I thought to myself... I don't want to go, you know, I want some purpose in life. Yeah. And, and I saw this guy who had some, and uh, he, he influenced me and took me out to this worldwide evangelization crusade meeting, which is the group that was founded by C.T. Studd. So, Graham, you made this decision, and then that led you to uh, other things. Uh, all of a sudden, you're out uh, sharing the good news of God with others, uh, with your soon-to-be wife, Pam, and that's probably a whole another story we can go mm. into. Mm. But where else did that that decision take you, the decision to follow God? Well, the first thing we went on is a Youth for the Mission uh, outreach, the first actually uh, out of Australia to Fiji. But Pam and I went on the first domestic one in about 66, 67. And uh, that led to a, a sort of concern about discipleship. But uh, what happened with me is that... Uh, uh, I was called up for the Vietnam War and I disappeared really for two years uh, during the Vietnam War and we'd married just beforehand and uh, we didn't think that was possible but the missionary society that we were going to become members of wanted us to be married for two years and uh, she'd written in her diary that she'd be married within a year and we were married uh, on that day uh, but it was in Fiji on, uh, on oh. a youth mission trip. So, right. Yeah, so we came back, had a, had a two-day honeymoon, graduated and went into the army with 400 blokes. So, <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Wow. So, that, I mean, this, this was a time, this was uh, you know, conscription that was happening, people yeah, being Vietnam called up. Yeah. Uh, and here you yeah. are, nearly married for only a few yeah. days and having to be yeah. shipped out. Yeah, well, sure, sure. Saw my wife once in about three months. Wow. I can't imagine what that was like. <laughs> as, you re- as you reflect on that now, what do you remember, and what 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 does Pam remember? Oh, it's, we had to. Well, I was called up. I, you know, it it was um, military service. I had to do. Uh, I could have got out of it, but I, I, by conscientious objection. But I just sort of felt that I was meant to do it. And I think officer training was great, as I mentioned earlier. That specifica, the K and the A, and Look, know your enemy and mm. and un, and un, un, and all aerial superiority and, and it gave me actually it really gave me something that really uh, tested my physical being because they were, we were trained by SAS guys and they put us for our paces mm. and uh, yeah, yeah so we we went through it and we had a platoon of just doctors and dentists and so uh, we uh, learned a lot of things to do with warfare um, so I could go on about that but. Uh, what happened, my wife Pam became pregnant during that time and towards the end of uh, two, uh, 2007, we had a child and uh, actually two of them and uh, they were identical t- twins and one died from a cot death. 
just three months later and, and we had a scholarship to go to the South Australian Bible College and to do missionary service and I couldn't, we couldn't, we, my mind was just sort of all over the place because I'm in grief so we just did locums went to, and came to Orange where we've lived for th- uh, 53 years now. So um, it's interesting that um, we, we settled there and we, and we had um, kids there with Children's Evangelism Fellowship and we had Teen Challenge there and we had some youth group meetings and so we were invited actually, as I said, to go over to California and see what was happening there and also in Brooklyn where I was nearly killed and even our family were nearly killed in Brooklyn and I was nearly killed in the Bronx but we studied under Francis Schaeffer uh, as well when we went to Europe and... and uh, he he was probably the leading Christian philosopher of the 19th century, the 1900s, uh, the 20th century, and uh, really some of the thinking uh, that we have now is really sad and tragic because uh, the a guy called Hegel said, well, we no longer think of truth in absolutes and um, in opposites. We'll, we'll, we'll combine them and, and have a synthesis of all these antithesis. See? So you're not a male now or a female, you're anything in between or something's right and something's wrong, but no, we'll have, a, we'll have relativism instead. And so out of that came Marxism. And, and a lot of the, uh, the teaching that we have today is really Marxist thinking. And so we have people who, who don't understand what values are and so on and, and are mixed up in the thinking about trans genders and all these things you can see the implications right through our education system and so we started a christian school we then started uh, a christian radio station as you know we went off and started one in uh, helped start one in nepal and in um, vanuatu where our son lives and uh, our daughter-in-law is present with us today with her son our son grandson so and then we got involved in politics in the 80s actually uh, and helped Fred and I get elected. I nearly got elected with Fred in 81 mm. and uh, I stood for the Senate myself in 84 so we did a lot of other things. We involved the National Day of Prayer and Fasting and lots of other things which I could go on for but I, I did write something over COVID which has got over 4,000 40,000 words on our uh, bi- in a biography with about 350 pictures so that's on the chr.org.a Okay, so, so I'm sure there's some some very rich storytelling in there. That's at chr, which is Christian History yeah, Research. Yeah, dot yeah. org dot au. Yes, dot org dot au. Okay, chr dot Something you mentioned earlier on, uh, and almost glossed over it, but I'm sure was a a really significant moment for you and your wife in the early 1970s. One of your twins passed away in a cot death. How did that affect you? Well, it's a sad time on the uh, because she di- died on the twentieth of December and she was buried on Christmas Eve. Oh wow! But it, it, yeah, it, it affected us because we were in grief for some time, and we understand people going through grief, uh, particularly. But uh, on that day, uh, she died. Uh, certain things happened the following year that con- that sealed, I think, uh, that. Uh, death and John twelve twenty four says uh, unless a grain of seed falls it will abide alone but if it if it dies it bears much fruit and so in death there's life and Jesus died for us uh, that we'd have life and um, there are a lot of circumstances I've seen from uh, in people that have uh, shown the same thing that they've gone through something that's been painful they've gone through a lot of suffering but out of that comes some joy and uh, I think what 
killed in this. And I'd been in the army for two years, and I'd become a captain. And I, uh, and um, and actually, in some in some time, sometimes I was a major, an acting major. So, uh, and this is because, and even as a nasho, which is the lowest rank, uh, was obviously a private, but the highest rank they could have was lieutenant but I, I was a captain simply because I was a dentist and then looking after a dental unit as a major so uh, that was an interesting time but certainly during that time I, I became rather arrogant I think as you do in the military uh, and I could see that in others too and, and, and also just talking about the army that I think a lot of the people coming out of the second war were in church, church life the only management model they saw was an authoritarian one which I think has killed a lot of the churches today but anyway the, the, the feeling that Pam and I Pam, Pam read all that year Job she didn't look anywhere mm. else she just read the book of Job well how for a whole yeah. year yeah for a whole year <laughs> she just read the book of Job and uh, it almost brings tears to my eyes but um yeah, it was a it was a time of soul searching and repentance and dedication and renewal in our lives and we had fortunately her twin sister, Kathy, who died was the firstborn and we could relate to the firstborn and to Isaac, even to people like Isaac and so on. Uh, and God in it's it says in Isaiah that God turned his back on Jesus, just a mention that says, on his son and that was because he looked um, couldn't look on death. And so there's a time when I think uh, God does turn his back on us for a short time if he's, if because of what he sees. And I think this is what I've got such a heart for Australia because uh, we see all the things that are going on and they yet they're on such a shallow level that it's so uh, that the depth that we can have and joy in, in marriage particularly. We've been married 55 years now and that's and the things we've gone through, I think, well, we've been through a fair few things. I've been nearly killed a couple several times, and uh, Pam, with you know losing her firstborn when we were married, and we we see the shallowness and all the things activities going on today in Australia. And we think we need to repent and <laughs> turn from our wicked ways, mm, and find that solid rock on which to stand. Yeah, and fifty-five years did you say, Mary? Yeah, fifty-five years. Wow. And congratulations! That's that's yep. quite a milestone. Yep. Yep. Celebrated her birthday as well the week before. Oh, wonderful. And she was actually just 21 when we were married. And in Fiji, you had to be 21 to be married. So we married about three days after she turned 21. <laughs> she couldn't marry, actually, as a nurse. And, and her mum was called in and said, yeah, we look, they're trying to get married before because they don't know where to have a wedding for two years. So uh, the, 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 the matron of Royal Prince Alfred gave, us, gave her permission to marry. And you weren't allowed to be married in those days. <laughs> they, you had to leave. Yeah. I'm sure you are full of stories, Graham, but we're uh, a little out of time uh, to tell any more. So I'm going to let you prepare right now for the best right. five-minute sermon that we'll hear today. Can you prime us for what's coming? Well, uh, well it's probably to do with what I, what I learned under Francis Schaeffer, actually, and, and uh, I think that's very important, uh, our thinking and how it's affected. So... I'd like to talk about that mainly uh, on the uh, at living at Labrie in Switzerland in 1974 and reading his books and so on. And I'd like to share about that if I could. All right. Well, that's coming up very soon. Uh, the best five-minute message you'll hear today. And there's your challenge, Graham, is to keep it to five minutes. I know that's always a, a bit of a challenge, but we'll see how you go this morning. Sunday morning together on Vision Christian Radio. Dr. Graham McLennan who's the founder of the National Christian Heritage Sunday. That's today. 
celebrating the day that uh, the gospel was first preached on Australian soil by Richard Johnson uh, in 1788. Long time ago, but I tell you what, Graham, today you get to preach it. It's over to you. Right. Well, the first sermon, as we've mentioned, was uh, on the 3rd of February, 1788, by Richard Johnson, and uh, based on that verse from Psalm 116, verse 12, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits unto me? And certainly we need to understand that uh, we have had a lot of benefits from those uh, days, and uh, we need to uh, think about how we can uh, appreciate those benefits. So... I'll start by uh, commencing with, a, 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 uh, I, I think, a great um, a philosopher, a Christian philosopher, Dr. Francis Schaeffer, who we studied under in 1974. And I've been um, really impressed with some of his books, uh, The God Who Is There, uh, He Is There and He Is Not There, and Escape from Reason, particularly Escape from Reason, which is a small book uh, which talks about how our thinking has changed and how it's led to Hegelian theory and certainly to Marxism in most of our universities and so on, and, and our th- thoughts are, uh, are different from a biblical pattern. So Francis Schaeffer stated in a, in a Christian manifesto, America, like Australia, was greatly influenced by Refor- Reformation ideals. This is not to say that all the founders were Christian, nor that the Christians were totally consistent in their political theories. However, there was a Christian underpinning which distinguished our birth from the French and Russian revolutions. Even the non-Christians recognised a creator who gave the inalienable rights in contrast to a man or state being the giver of those rights of those rights in our own constitution in the preamble stating humbly relying on the blessing of Almighty God. And, and even today they're trying to get rid of that as well. Francis Schaeffer wrote this 40 years ago, uh, th- this book, and we are a nation under man, centred around man's self-appointed autonomy, governed by man's fluctuating, fluctuating opinions, and chiefly existing, it seems, to give man's personal peace and affluence. In other words, we are trying to conti- just seek our own peace in our own little properties or farms or wherever we are and, and within our homes. Uh, but the, that piece is not, you know, we, we're trying to pursue it, pursue it, but it's certainly not happening. And also we're trying to gain influ- affluence, not influence. I always remember a, um, a person I wrote an influ- uh, a reference for when I called her, she's always under the affluence of Incol. But anyway, in other words, the Judeo-Christian ethos based on God's absolutes has been supplanted by a secularistic philosophy. An example of this are attempts to remove prayers, including the Lord's Prayer, at the beginning of parliamentary sittings, and certainly in the, is the case in Victoria's Parliament. This worldview is spreading rapidly, and our parliaments and legal system is a prominent perpetrator of it. So we need to uh, expect certain things. The secularist humanistic thinking has merely carried their philosophy to its logical end. They have remained true to their worldview in both words and actions, while unfortunately Christians have equivocated. They simply have not taken the lordship of Christ seriously. But Christians are paying for their negligence. We've permitted the dominance of a philosophy that sanctions the killing of an unborn child for the mother's convenience, a philosophy that deems it acceptable for parents to allow a less than perfect newborn child to die, again because it's convenient, a philosophy that can talk of euthanasia of the age and a general devaluation of all human life, a philosophy that has embraced a wrong and self-destructive sexuality in alternative lifestyles, a philosophy that 
also drives its proponents to unashamedly seek the banishment of all religious influence from the stream of public life, leaving a total relativistic value system. And so this secularist worldview has engulfed every area of society which Christians have chosen to ignore, such as in government, law, education, corporate cronyism and the media. That's corporate cronyism, which you've seen in Bunnings, which you've seen in Qantas and Joyce and, other, and the four banks. And it is now threatening the area which Christians nobly took for granted. So uh, we need to really repent and ask God to forgive us and seek God's will and that God's kingdom will come on earth, as we say in the Lord's Prayer. So it's not too late to change this destructive situation, but it's too late for mere words. It is time for Christians to fight the materialistic tide and provide Christian alternatives. And we have done that. We've done it with schools. We've done it uh, perhaps not with university training, where secularism is at its peak. And uh, in the media, we thank you for... Lord for the Vision Christian Media and other outlets in the media. We must continue to pray and witness to people of salvation in Christ, but we must also fight for the sanctity of human life, fight for the protection of the family, fight for the proper education of our children, and fight to, uh, for the right to speak and worship freely and fight for a church that is bound to the tenets of God, and not the state as though it were an autonomous authority. We must use the law effectively in the coming years if we are to see any positive change. Our system of secular legislation, media and education has veered so far from its original mooring that it's going to take aggressive challenges in the courts and to thwart the destructive trends we cannot afford to sit back and allow humanism to increasingly roll over us. So Lord we just thank you Father for our time together today and uh, in, in, in these words and we just pray that Richard Johnson said that there have been many benefits in Psalm 116 verse 12 but Lord we pray that those benefits of freedom and liberty will continue in the land in Jesus name we pray Amen. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Well that's about it for our uh, time together today. There is but one more thing to do and that is to stop and to pray. We like to do this at the end of our time together on a Sunday morning and my guest and co-host today has been Dr. Graeme McLennan. So um, if I could call upon you Graeme to, to lead us in a word of prayer for our nation, would you be happy to do that? Yes, I'd love to. Well let's Thank pray. You. So in Hebrews 11, it says that, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, ministered justice, and gained what was promised. And we thank you, Lord, for those of faith in our own land. We thank you for those that have pioneered our country and have given us a Christian basis. And we now know that the indigenous people actually have embraced Christianity more than those that are white here in our nation now. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that uh, we can repent before you of, of our unfaithfulness too. And that, uh, as many of us know, that verse, so, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal our land. And so we need to really repent before you, Lord. And we know in Luke 13, 3, that uh, those that do not will perish before you. And so uh, we thank you that um, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to you and all the families of the nations will bow down before you. For dominion belongs to the Lord and you rule over the nations. And we, you rule over Australia. 
and you rule over the islands, you rule over each nation, and Father, we pray that you have a purpose for each one of us in each of these nations. And so as the early missionaries from the London Missionary Society and other groups who wanted to uh, use Australia as a base for your uh, kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for what you've given Vision Christian Media as well, and that there's uh, the spheres of influence such as education and government and the media and business. Father, we pray that there be renewal within these groups. We pray, Lord, that even with Vision Christian Media and its subsidiary UCB Asia Pacific for the 13 countries we already relate to and countries like Nepal and Vanuatu and the Solomons and Papua New Guinea and Timor-Leste and other places that your will be done in these countries as well. And Father, we just pray for a spreading uh, expansion of the media in Australia, in our land, as well as in throughout the nations. And so we just commit this day to you, Lord. We just thank you so, so much that we've gathered together by the radio to hear your word and to learn more about myself. And uh, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for those that are committed to um, have purpose in their life to serve you and pray that you'll be with each one of us this day uh, on Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm, amen. Well, thank you once again, Graeme, for uh, sharing with us on this special day today, this uh, Nat- National Christian Heritage Sunday, marking the day that the gospel was first preached on Australian soil uh, by Richard Johnson on that first Sunday in February back in 1788. And for all your work that you've done over many years into uh, telling the stories of Australia's National Christian Heritage, you're a real blessing, mate. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.